That was fantastic. I want to thank you uh, for being here this morning. Uh, how many of you have had a great holiday? Well, the rest of you, well, thank you. Uh, the rest of you probably just like, lift your hand up anyhow. I love the holidays, and we've had a great, great time in church. We've done a lot of different things, and but I'm looking forward to next year, which is um, tomorrow, and we're excited about that, and we... Uh, and uh, well, next week, uh, Joseph will let you know, but we'll introduce our theme, and I'm very excited about our theme this year, and excited about what God has done in our midst this year, and so uh, very excited about that. I'm ready for the holidays to be over and to get started with our next year. If you are with us this morning, we just want to say thank you for being with us. If it is your first time, uh, we, you are our honored guest, and we're glad to have you with us. Our ushers are going to walk back, and if that's you, just if you'll nonchalantly raise your hand, we have a little uh, gift and a brochure about our church we'd like you to take. It's a nice pen as well, and uh, just so our way of saying thank you for being here. Also, if you've not done so, if you'll look at the seat in front of you, we have a little, uh, a little guest card there. If you could fill that out, and then when we receive our offering, put that in the offering plate. We will. Uh, we we want to get you a little, send you a little more information about our church, let you get to know us a little bit uh, better. Uh, Joseph will go over all this, but I do want to emphasize we're on different schedule. We will not have our evening service tonight. After this service, we'll take a 15-minute break, and we're going to come in for our second service, and uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper during that service and just to prepare us for next year and talk a little bit about that. So I encourage you, stay with us. We'll take a little break after this service, and then we'll come right back in. I hope you'll stay with us. Uh, the Lord's Supper is very important, especially as we look forward uh, to next year. Just a couple more announcements this morning. Of course, if on the way in you got a, a bulletin, we do have more announcements in here, and so you can always feel free on a Sunday morning to pull that out. We don't go over all of these for sake of time, but let you know what's going on uh, the next week or couple weeks here. We are back on regular schedule for our midweek service Thursday, so 7 o'clock Thursday p.m. Hope to see you here. First midweek service of the new year, and so that's great. And then Christmas gift for Jesus is still on Simple Give. This may be the last service it is. And so if you haven't gotten an opportunity to do that yet, had someone come up yesterday to our house and say, hey, we still have one of your kids present. So if that's your case with Jesus present, go ahead and get it to him before the, uh, before the new year. Kind of kidding there. But uh, 15 minutes after this service, there'll be a quick break. Do what you need to do. Might be some coffee or refreshments left out there. But come right back in here. Don't go home. Uh, be with us as we take the Lord's Supper. What better way to transition into the new year by remembering what the Lord did for us on the cross, right? And examining ourselves and asking Him to make sure that we are clean and ready for what He wants to do in our lives, our families, and our church as we look to 2024. So that's the very next service right after this. No, no evening service. That will be our evening service. And then final announcement. Of course, next week is our Fresh Start whatever a Vision Sunday where we'll be casting vision for the year and seeing our new theme. Some of us already uh, know what it is, can't let the cat out of the bag, but it's exciting. And so we're looking forward to that next week. Don't miss that, and we will reveal the theme and also have just a small gift for everybody as we look to the vision for our church in this new year. That's all we have for today. Thank you. Let's stand together, please. 421 in our psalm books. We'll sing this song together before the offering. Pastor did ask me to mention it. This is your first time visiting our church. We invite you to stop by the welcome desk. We have a gift card for you, so please do that after the service. 421 in our psalm books. 
the unseen hand will sing the first and the last verse together page 421 on that first verse there is an unseen hand to me that leads through ways i cannot see while going through this world of woe this hand still
Our scripture reading for this morning is in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And if once we found that, we could stand so we could give honor as we read God's word. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. We'll read down to verse number 10. I'll start off on the odd verses, and then we'll do all the even verses together. And there went a man out of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of the bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw among the flags, she sent to her maidens to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And let's pray. Father, we do thank you for another Sunday to be at your house. We thank you for all the amazing things that went on here this year. And we ask that you be with us as pastor preaches. I pray you fill him with your power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The city was Jerusalem, the time was long ago, the people called him Jesus, the crime was the love he showed, and I'm the one to blame. all the pain he gave himself the day he wore my crown he brought me love that only he could to cry and though he taught me how to live I taught him how to die and I'm the one to blame I caused all his pain himself the day 
said, take me away, please take me away. He could have said, I'm not guilty, and I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to pay. But he walked right through the gate. As he fell beneath the weight, he cried, Father, not my will, and I'm the one to blame, for I caused all his pain. He gave himself the day. all his pain he gave himself the day he wore my crown thank you all right thank you for that and thank you for being in your place this morning and uh and again, I'm looking forward, especially next, I'm looking forward to next week as we, uh, as we, we reveal our theme, and I've known what it is for a while, and we're going to just give an update how, how last year went, and, and uh, a lot of plans that we have for this year. I got a lot of plans, things we want to get started, and, uh, and so I'm so excited about next week, and I'm excited about today too. Hope you'll stay with us. It uh, won't be a long day. Uh, but I think it's important for us to take the Lord's Supper together. Brother Beckham, thank you for being here this morning. Good to see you. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 2. I thought I had from this a while ago and thought about it, and a, a message uh, came from this. I think it'll encourage us this morning and encourage me as I, as I went through it. Um, the thought is this. God's ways are really the opposite of man's ways. Right? We know that. Uh, we hear that in Isaiah and other places. Um, here's the thought I had. You know, we, I, I'm, I, I'm not much of a fisherman. I like to fish. Okay, how many of you like to fish? Okay, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not, you know, as proficient at it. So I make sure the few times that I do go that Brother Ross goes with me. Brother Ross is, he's one of those guys, right? We could be standing, you know, I'm like, Brother Ross, what do we do? <laughs> okay, get me set up. We could be standing on a river, on the bank of a river together. He's there, I'm here. He's casting and catching. And I'm casting over here, and I'm not getting anything. And I remember one time that happened, I said, wait a minute, you come stand here, and I'm going to come stand here. And sure enough, as soon as he threw in, he caught something. So I thought, man, the fish hate me. But uh, I'm not much, but I, like, I enjoy it. And um, now, now, some people practice this, right, uh, where they catch them, and they release them. Now, as many of you know, I'm a Christian. I hope you know that. Uh, and as a Christian, I don't eat fish. Okay, 
You say, oh, I know, here we go, just lost half the crowd. And I know what everybody, look, you always come up and tell me this. Well, you know, Jesus ate fish. Right, and he walked on water too, and I don't do that, all right? So uh, I'm not eating fish. But the fact that I don't eat fish does not keep me from keeping the fish. There is no way if I catch that thing, I'm going to let it get away. I will find somebody who will eat it. How many know what I'm talking about? But I am not going to catch and release, okay? There's no way. Now, um, uh, I do know this. You can't release the fish if you haven't caught them yet. Now, there, there's that thought because it's going to go with the message, but it's going to be an opposite. Like I mentioned, some things in the Bible are opposite. In a spiritual sense, you need to release something in order to get it, in order to catch it. Think about some of the things. What about our life? Matthew 16, 24 says, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. We need to give up our life in order to get our life. What about our attitudes? James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift thee up. We try to do the opposite, right? We have to be the ones lifting ourselves up, and God says that's not how it works. Think about our position. Matthew 23.11 says, but he that is greatest among you, let him be your servant. And so often we think of it as the opposite. Now, as we see how God's ways are different, we're going to see those played out in the life of, of Moses' mother here, Jochebed. The Egyptians were hold, holding the Israelites under bondage. They were starting to get fearful that there was too many of them. And because there was too many of them, uh, that, you know, their, their thing is there'll be an uprising. And so in chapter 1 of Exodus, what Pharaoh did is he told the midwives, I want you to kill all the, the, men, the, men, uh, the men babies, the male babies. By the way, even back then they could figure out what a male and a female was, okay? I guess we've come so far we can't, but anyhow. And so kill all of the male babies. And so the midwives didn't do that. And so you get the last verse of chapter 1, and now Moses tells everybody, kill the, kill the male babies, they didn't want them, they knew that the, the men babies would be the ones that give them trouble and they didn't want to produce children. And so uh, this, what, ha what happens is Moses' mother, she gets pregnant. She, just, she sees the baby and somehow, maybe through God, she knew that this was something special about this baby. She, she hides it, of course. And she hides it for a while and, and, and uh, it gets to the point where the baby is getting, where it's a little bit harder to hide the baby. And so she decides and I'm gonna, I don't want to kill the baby. So she puts the baby in this waterproof ark. She puts it in the river and sends it down the river. Of course, her, his, Moses' sister Miriam follows, the, follows it down there. And through the providence of God, Pharaoh's daughter comes out. She goes down to the river. And the baby, the, the, she sees it. And she has someone go and fetch it. And it's a baby. And then right at the right time, as she's holding the baby, he starts to cry. Right? And that maternal instinct kicks in. And then here comes running Miriam and says, hey, uh, uh, do you need me to find a nurse for the baby? And Pharaoh's daughter says yes. And so she runs back and gets Moses' mom. 
And she comes back and she gets her son back. Not only that, she gets to nurse him and she gets paid for it. And then, of course, Pharaoh's daughter takes him in and makes him her son. Now, this whole thing is an act of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So they held on to him for as long as they could, but there came a point when they couldn't and they had to let him go, but she got him back. He wasn't killed. And, and the plan that God had for him came to fruition. What's the point here for us? We have a tendency to believe that the only way we can get the things in life that we want is to hold on to our life tightly. We have to be in control. We have to be the ones. And that's just not how it works. When we try to hold on to things and we're trying to, to forge our own way, we don't understand that we don't know what's best for us. And in reality, let's think this through, we're not showing the faith to believe that God knows better what is best for us. We're, we're keeping our hands on the wheel when we need to give it over to God. And when we do that, we find out that things work better for us in the long run. So here's the point. Let's let go of what self wants and we will get what God wants for us and what we really need from God. Whenever we try to figure it out ourselves, it's not going to work. We have to let it go to get it back. Unless we are willing to let go of our lives for the Lord, we are limiting our spiritual potential. And we are denying ourselves of access to what God really has for us. We're shutting it out. Now, this seems easier said than done. So let me give you a couple of thoughts from the scripture here about this whole thing of releasing and catching and not catch and release. First of all, I want you to notice that for Moses' mom and for us, it's a hard place. Look at verse one. And there went a man out of the house of, of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a godly child, she hid him three months. Now, now let's put ourselves into the emotional state here. They get married. They're excited now because after they get married, they are now having a child. And you know how it is. You go through the whole thing in the nine months, and, 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 but in the back of their mind is... The combating thought. But when the child's boring, born, they're going to come after him. If it's a son, now they didn't know, there was no ultrasound. If it's a son, they are actually going to come and try to kill him. And so for nine months, we're going back and forth. And, and, and it's almost what should be a blessing when it's born. And they looked at the baby and figured out right away that it was a boy. There's kind of mixed emotions there. This is my boy. And already, just because he was a boy, there's a target on his back. That's a hard place to be. And yet, what did they do? They decided that even in the midst of that hard, hard spot, she is going 
to hide, she is going to hide him. What should have been a blessing in essence becomes a, a little bit of a dread. Now it's easy for us as we sitting here in church this morning and everything may be going well in your life and we would say, well, you know, I'll just have faith and I'll follow God no matter what, but will you? That's an easier step to take when everything's going well. But you don't know if that's true in your life until it's put to the test by hard circumstances. Now, now we build ourselves up for that time. Don't get me wrong. It's like every kid, like, right? Every kid in our Christian school and in our families, you know, we teach them to tithe. We taught our kids that early on, right? Hey, if someone gives you a dollar, you throw a dime in the offering plate. Kids, it's easy when you're only making a dollar or ten dollars. But when we, they become adults and they have bills and they get a paycheck, do they really have that faith? Do they really believe it? We'll find out. But that's just how life is. And so we really don't know what we will do until we get to a hard place where now it, it, it could cause personal, personal setbacks if we do follow through. Now, when I say personal setbacks, it's really never a setback to follow God. But you know what I'm talking about. Not only was there now a target on the back of her baby, there was also a target on her back. They were disobeying Pharaoh's commandments. So we need, to, we need to make sure that our faith is strong so hard situations come, we'll still do what we're supposed to do. Let's not just take it upon ourselves. Usually when problems come, the first thing we say we do is like, what do I got to do to figure this out? And I understand that mentality, but in a spiritual sense, we need to have God in that equation say, God, what do you want me to do to get through this situation? That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and, meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, there is a yoke of work and there's a bit of a burden in a sense that we take upon ourselves when we serve the Lord, but it's not a heavy burden. Jesus said, my burden's light. You know why? Because we're not going through it ourselves. But what happens is we don't have that trust in God and so instead of giving to him, instead of saying, Lord, I'm gonna do the right thing and just give it to you and forsake doing the things that maybe I would think is best, we hold on to it because we're in a hard place. Don't let the hard place make the decisions for you, right? Why don't we take advantage of the resources that God has given to us? We still have his presence. We still have his word. We still have his people to encourage us and come alongside of us and pray for us and help us. So she was in a hard place, also in harm's way, as we mentioned. Verse 3 and when she could no longer hide him. What do you mean by that? The baby's going to cry at the wrong time. Are you with me? You know, you, 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 you know how it is with your kids. Now, some of your kids are calmer than others. But always, if you're in a place where everybody needs to be quiet, that's the time. It's almost like an invisible angel comes by and pinches their leg. And it's like, the kid will be quiet all day long, and the one time you're in a crowd and you want the kid to remain quiet, that's when all of a sudden they feel led of the Spirit to cry. That's how kids are. 
But it was getting to that place and to that point where it's like, okay, we're, we're going to be in harm's way now. So what's the deal here? You know, when, when it's hard when we feel like we're losing out to give what we're supposed to give to God. Because we feel like we're losing. You young folks here. You're going you're, you're gonna to think to yourself like, well, I, I have plans for my life. By the way, you young people, most of your plans come from your friends, and your friends have about as much wisdom as this Christmas tree. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited here. I'm talking about they're, they're young. I get it. But they've already got their whole life figured out. It's funny how young people have all the answers, and they don't even know the questions. Right? The older you get, the more you realize how Naive we were when we were young. I mean, we just had everything laid out. Bless God, I got this thing figured out. It's like, I don't even know what's going on here. And you'll follow your friend or you'll follow your own path instead of just saying, Lord, what do you really want for my life? What do you want me to do in this situation? And by the way, even as we get older, that happens. Sometimes we face problems too simply because we're Christians. You, you, look, some of you get saved, and, and I'll just be honest with you, sometimes family members don't like that. How many of you have realized that? Not that they're bad people, just sometimes there's a conviction about being around people who are saved. They're like, you know, I was, well, look, well, Pastor Esposito and I, when, he, when he, we were growing up, we were best friends. When he got saved and started serving God, I avoided him to a certain extent. I went over to visit his house when he was living up with his dad in Paramount. And uh, man, he, all he wanted to talk about was Jesus. I didn't want to talk about Jesus. I'm like, that's good for you. And I'd avoid him. And he'd call, you know, like, hey, why don't you come to church tonight? And I'm like, I'll, I remember specifically one time he goes, hey, why don't you come to church with me tonight? And I said, okay, I'll meet you there. And I was working that day, and I got done in plenty of time to get there, but I took my time. Getting out of there. I mean, I cleaned up extra. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to lie to him. Like, you know, just my time thing was here. I just didn't want to go. Because it, to me, it was a bit well, spooky, right? And sometimes people look at you like that, like, what's going on here? By the way, don't let what people think or say about you make your decisions for you. It's amazing how we'll do that. And then what happens is we get stuck with the consequences of those decisions, we got to be very careful. We need to have enough faith to trust God to unashamedly live for him, regardless of anything. I've given this story many years ago, but uh, a Filipino guy, he used to be a pastor in, I'm uh, sorry, a Cambodian guy, he used to be a pastor in Long Beach many years ago, but he was, he was fleeing during the killing fields when the Khmer Rouge took over in Cambodia, and he had worked for a Christian organization, and, and of course, if you know anything about that, they were looking for those that were educated and so forth, and they were putting them all to death. And as this guy was fleeing, a soldier caught him, and he asked him, I heard the guy's testimony, <laughs> he asked him like, you know, who are you? And he told him his name. He goes, what do you do? And he told him. He goes, I, he was telling him, he was just telling him the truth. And he said, the soldier looked at him and said, why are you telling me these things? Do you know that by telling me these things, I should put you to death? And he said, he looked at the guy and said, I'm a Christian. I can't lie. And he said, the guy goes, just get out of here. 
and let them go. Most of us lie if we can get an extra dollar somewhere. But the point is, don't let circumstances dictate your decisions. Let what's right dictate your decisions. I want you to also notice there were some heavy instincts that kicked in. Number, look at verse 3 again. She, she, <coughs> oh, she knew she couldn't keep him, but, but the maternal instincts wouldn't let her just, just she had to do something. So verse 3, she took, a, she took him from an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and pitch. She made sure it was watertight and, and put the child therein. And she, she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. She said, I'm not going to kill the child. And, and she probably had some kind of inkling that maybe God had something for him. And so she's like, I'm going to do what I can at least to take care of him. Although she needed to let him go, she was a mother. And her natural instincts kicked in. By the way, you, this is not the message, but this is free. We live in a time when people, do, we don't even have natural instincts anymore. Mothers abandoning their children. Choosing to live a, a party life and hanging out with their friends and, and living their own lives and not being a mother. Well, what about me? Worry about you later. That doesn't go over very well. You really want, what you really want fulfillment in life? If you became a mother, uh, and, and let's, just go, let's just go and lay it out here too. Let's not just get on the mothers. Let's get on the fathers too. Well, you know, uh, you know we had the kids. That's her, that's her thing. I'll go hang out with my buddies. Well, now, why don't you grow up? Okay. Well, that's mom's job. No, you're a dad. But, but we, we don't even have those instincts anymore. And guess who's paid for it? Our children. We, we're, we're, look, what's going on in our country and in our college campuses and all the garbage that these people are buying into, because they never had parents to stand up there and teach them the right thing. They, have, they never had parents that modeled the right thing for them, that were really a part of their life. Where's your instincts? But, but, but there should be a natural instinct for us to, to, to do that thing, and yet we don't do it. Just as it should be natural instinct for a mother and really a father to naturally care for their family, shouldn't a Christian have natural instincts to live like one? See, if we don't, we're fighting that. We're fighting it. We're allowing the wrong things to come into our life to deviate us off the path that the Spirit of God is pushing us to go on. It's funny how someone gets saved and they start living for God right away. We're like, wow, that's, that's unusual. No, no, no. It, what's unusual is for a person to get saved and not want to live for God. Yeah. Some of you, you maybe have been around here for a while and you still are struggling with living for God. Let me just tell you something. That's not natural. You are allowing things to squeeze the, the Holy Spirit's uh, influence in your life and his will for your life. You're squeezing that out and you're ignoring it. But that's not natural. Most of us, we look through our Bible and we look for excuses. Why, we, why do we have to do that? I mean, after, it's okay to miss church. I mean, it's okay not to be 100% in. It's okay not to give. It's okay to disobey scripture in these areas. That's not right. And so what we are supposed to do is, is fight when the flesh says, let's do what we want to do and let's follow the, our, our spiritual instincts that the spirit of God will push us through the word of God as we spend time with God. Also, understand that there was, a, there was a heavenly plan in all of this. 
If you look at verses four through six, I mean, it's, it's, it's just there. <clears throat> I mean, she puts the baby in the water. It's like, what's going to happen? Is it going to be eaten by a predator or whatever? No, it just accidentally shows up right when Pharaoh's daughter is there. And then just accidentally cries when she picks the baby up. And it's just accidental that her compassion kicked in. And it's just accidental that the mother who let her go is the one who is now taking care of the baby. Those aren't accidents. That's the providence of God. God has a plan in everything. And what we do is we throw a wrench in it when we decide to do our own thing. We are messing up God's plan. And the fact of the matter is, because we really do not believe sometimes that God's plan is best. We don't. If you really believe that God and what he wanted for us was best, we would not have a problem with following him. But the fact of the matter is, the flesh tells us the opposite. And it's something we got to fight. We've got to fight it. We have a hard time following his plan. Because we feel it's counterproductive to what I really want to have in my life. The fact of the matter is, you don't know what you want in life. I mean, you, you know what you want in life, but you really don't understand it or how to get to it. You see, you want joy in life, don't we all? <laughs> and by the way, God wants us to have joy. But we don't believe that we will get it by following God's plan. Right? You know, well, you know, God's keeping me from all the things that would make me happy. No, God's keeping you from all the things that would steal that joy in your life. We want security, <clears throat> but we don't believe we get security by following God's plan. We want a significance in our life. We want to know that our life counts for something more than just existing from day to day and getting the bills paid. But we feel that we can get that apart from following God's plan. And you just can go on and on and on. Everything is found within God's plan. Next, there was a healing provision. Look at verse 7. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. And the maid went <coughs> and called the child's mother. Pharaoh said unto her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give thee <coughs> thy wages. And the woman took the, took the child and nursed it. Can you imagine that? How, I wonder, although I, I, the Hebrews and the other things lead that she tread trust in God, I mean, when she let the baby go, can you imagine how she felt? Could you imagine taking, those of you that have children or have young children now, taking your baby and just throwing it in the water to the whims of the current? And yet as she's sitting there and sitting there, here comes Miriam like, hey, guess what? You're getting Moses back. It's going to be okay. You're going to get to nurse him. She's going to make sure now that he is not killed with the other Hebrew boys. He's going to be okay. And you're going to be part of this plan. See, that, but by the way, you say, well, why doesn't God do that for me? You know, could it be because you don't trust him in that area? See, the trust... And the action that we do because of the trust needs to come first before God kicks in. See, here's what we want. We want to do our own thing, get ourselves in a boatload of trouble, and then expect God to fix it. God's like, wait a minute. You cut me out of the equation a long time ago, and now I'm supposed to come clean up the mess? 
Why don't we put God in the equation and let him take over? And then he'll give us the results that we need. He'll give us the results that we would really want. We'll have all those things that we really want out of life because we trusted him and we went forward. God can provide what we need. Next, I must hasten here. There's, there, must, there's a, there was a healthy risk. Healthy risk. I mean, it, it, although God may have, you know, she may have had inklings from God, this is it, but you're never 100% for sure. I mean, you know, there's always something back of your mind. Maybe that's not going to work. It's a risk. Like, this is the right thing to do, but I don't know what the consequences are going to be, and I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's just the right thing to do. Ah, I'm going to take that chance, and I'm going to do it. By the way, nothing is accomplished by people that aren't, are, by, nothing is accomplished by individuals who are not willing to take a risk. You get saved and you look at your life and you look at where you're at and, 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 and if you're like me, it's like, man, there are some changes that need to be taken place. There are some, there's a lot of moving pieces here. I gotta do it. It's just like, I don't know how it's gonna turn out and my friends and all, but I'm gonna make the right choice. There's a risk involved with that. And then I went off to college and I'm just, you know what? I don't know, God's not called me to anything. I'm just gonna go. I was suggested to go and it's like, I'm just gonna do it because someone thought that'd be the best thing for me. I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to make my own plan in my life. Well, well, you might turn out this, that, or the other. I don't know. I just want to follow God. Amen. You have to take those risks. It is risky business. That's why not everybody's going to do it. But you, you understand this. Without risk, there is no reward. It doesn't come to people that sit back. It comes to those who take action. Are you really going to live for God? Are you really going to go forward? Are you going to be passive as a Christian? And then lastly, it took a holy faith. Look at verse 10. And the child grew, <clears throat> and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. That, although that's probably not the scenario that she may have wanted, right? I mean, the baby survived. She got to nurse it, but she didn't get to raise him. There had to be some faith involved with that. And she loved her son, and Lord, he's in your hands, and she turned him over to Pharaoh's daughter. And what happened? That's what God used to get them out of the land. There had to be some faith there. See, the reason we don't want to <coughs> do things like that is because we want to hold on to our own life. We wouldn't give up our life for anything. We run at the first sign of danger. We, it's all about protecting ourselves. When it's not about protecting ourselves, there's sometimes there's greater causes involved. And the results of us putting ourselves on the back burner may have greater success for our children in the future. Do you understand that? We believe in the next generation. And, and what you're doing isn't just about you. What about your family? See, I, I never understand when someone who's saved and been spiritual can walk out of church and not go and not go find a church, go to church, and their children suffer because something had happened to them. I read a story that in the late 1800s, there was a blizzard in southern Wales, England. 
A young mother and her baby were traveling across the foothills and the storm took over and they got trapped. And it was a, her, her, her son was a baby. And it was coming to the point where they could go longer go and she knew what was coming. They were, she was basically going to freeze to death. So what she did is she took all of her outward protection and, and for the weather that she had and she wrapped it all around her son and she cleared the snow out. She put the sun underneath her body for as much warmth as possible to keep him alive as much as possible. And she, she covered him and sacrificed her own life. Fortunately, some people were coming through the area and they got there, but it was too late for her. She had died due to the cold and they lifted her up and the baby was still alive. They took that young boy the boy grew up to be a man called David Lloyd George. You may not know who he was, but in the early 1900s, he became the prime minister of England. Now, that's a worst-case scenario story. But what about us? Are we willing to live our faith, not just for ourselves, but for that next generation? Right? We've all heard of, and you've probably heard of her too, but John Wesley and Charles Wesley, they did great things for God. But have you heard of his mother, Susanna Wesley? She, she spent time mentoring and, to, and teaching the children and great influence in their life. And they did great things for the Lord. But it takes faith. You see, when we are, are, are giving out, it's not just for our lives, it's for our family's lives. And we need to get past this thought, it's just about me. Because how you live your life for the Lord affects others around us. But here's the whole point, and we're done. Are you trying to hold on to your life so tightly? Are you not willing to trust God enough to give him what he wants, realizing when we release our life to him, that's when we get it back. When we, by faith, release everything to him, that's when we get everything back. Quit holding on to it. Quit thinking that you know best. We all had to go through that process. You know what? I don't know what's best for me. God knows what's best for me, and I'm going to follow him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes, if we may, for a minute. <coughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. <coughs> why is it that Christians struggle living for God? I'm going to tell you why, because they want what they want. Why is it that we struggle to, <coughs> to see God do anything great in our life? Because we're holding on to our life. We want what we want. So then how can I see God do great things in my life? Give it to him. Quit holding on. Release it. And it will come back. Maybe you're here this morning. <coughs> and there's a greater danger for you if you do not know the Lord. You want your life and you're hanging on to it so, so tightly you're not trusting him as Savior. As I avoided Pastor Esposito uh, because I knew he was saved and I didn't want to hear that stuff. I'm glad for the time that I did go to church with him. And I trusted Christ as my Savior on that day. Let me ask you this question here. If you were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you would go to heaven or do you have any doubt? If that's you, you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I do have some doubt. With nobody looking around, Pastor, would you, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray for me? Nobody looking around, would you raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Yes. 
Right here, right there. Yes, I'm praying for you. Yes. Let's stand together this morning. Maybe God spoke to your heart. Maybe there are, sometimes we release some areas of our life and we hold on to others. The altar's open. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? Why don't you come?